Blog Talk Radio. The Home Depot has made a special buy. 10-inch hibiscus plants are just $9.98. Hibiscus plants have large, colorful blooms, so they'll make a big impact in your garden or on your patio while having very little impact on your budget. We're lowering the cost of a very colorful long weekend with 10-inch hibiscus plants for just $9.98. More saving, more doing. That's the power of the Home Depot. While supplies last U.S. only, see store for details. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. anymore. That's right, Dorothy. This is Movie Addict Headquarters. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, but if you are one, it's definitely the place for you. I'm your host, Betty Jo Tucker, coming to you from Pueblo, Colorado on this chilly 13th of January, 2009. We're in for a real treat today, folks because our special guest is Tippi Hedren, the lovely and talented actress who starred in The Birds and Marnie, as well as in many other films, and is now involved in a number of exciting projects, including the Rohr Foundation and the Shambhala Preserve. We'll hear from Tippi as soon as I check with my producer extraordinaire, Nikki Starr, and our excellent co-host, Jazz Shaw, to see if all systems are go. Hi, Nikki. Is everything ready to go in the chat room? Yes, ma'am, it is, and it's filling up. <laughs> oh, good. I was talking to Tippy and telling her how many fans she has on Blog Talk Radio. And, Nikki, would you tell any new listeners how they can participate in our live chat? Yes, all you have to do is register for a username, and it's free. You just go to blogtalkradio.com, and up at the top you'll see where it says register. Just fill that out and then click the on-air guide for Movie Attic Headquarters. Great. And, Nikki, thanks for taking care of our chatters. And You're thanks to also to all of our listeners who sign up for the chat. We really appreciate hearing from you. And we're very, very happy to welcome all of our, all of our listen, listeners to Blog Talk Radio. Jazz, are you ready to talk with the wonderful Tippy Hedren? I am, and I don't... Words don't even describe it. I went ahead on one of the larger political sites on the web today and, and uh, published something about the upcoming interview, and I just had an incredible amount of feedback. I got a whole bunch of emails, and I see there are already people lining up that, that want to hear from Tippy, and this is going to be very exciting. Thank you for putting that information on your, on your site, uh, Jazz. And I knew you'd be eager to help with this interview, and, of course, I'm very glad you're here. But now... It's my great honor to introduce a woman I admire tremendously, not only for her acting, but also for her support of so many good causes. Tippy's many awards for her acting and humanitarian efforts include the following. A Golden Globe for the Birds, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, a Life Achievement Award from Cinemalia, that's in France, 
a humanitarian award from the Baha'i Faith, and the Woman of Vision honor from Women in Film and Video. Very impressive. Welcome to Movie Addict Headquarters, Tippy. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. This is really wonderful. Well, I, but, I am a, a movie addict, too. So. I thought that, that you might be, Tippy, and it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. And I can't tell you how impressed I am by the work you're doing with the Roar Foundation and the Shambhala Preserve. What was your no, motivation? It really, it really has kind of become my life's work. Uh, I, I um, love doing movies and television shows and all of those things, but I, I am on a mission uh, with these big cats, you know, the lions and tigers, and um, became involved with them, oh, oh, goodness, 30 years ago. Really? And 71, yes. Wow, well, what was your motivation? Well, to... I did two films in Africa, and I, I wanted to do them because I wanted to go to that continent. And uh, um, the first film, I uh, there was a, a lion whose name was Dandelion, and a uh, number of cheetah, and uh, so I was thrilled with that. And the next film I did there, they were just sort of back to back. It was um, uh, the first one was called Oh wait a minute, it's either Devil's Harvest or Satan's Harvest. Memorable film, <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, both uh, of both of those titles are great titles. So. <laughs> yes, and the second one was Mr. King Street's War with Rosano, the late Rosano Brazzi, and uh, John Saxon. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> oh, you do? Yeah, I loved that movie. It was a wonderful. It was a wonderful film, uh, and it had uh, animals in it at all as well. John Saxon and I played um, the role of of. Um, um, we were sort of game wardens, you know, oh. sort of protecting the animals. And we both die in the end, and oh my. Oh no, you told oh, the yeah. ending. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, I can I can see that people are going to go to Netflix now and and try to find uh, that that particular movie. Yeah, and I understand they changed the title of it. Now that was a long time ago. You know, so I don't I don't know per- perhaps you know, if you google it'll come up somewhere right right and that's how you how you got interested in the um uh in setting up something like the of the shambhala yeah, well, the, actually in in uh, 19 the late 60s and early 70s environmentalists were saying and get, putting awareness out that if we don't do something to stop the the uh, uh hunting and um you know encroaching civilization that is taking the lands away from the animals by the year 2000 they will be gone by the way, it is still listed as Satan's Harvest uh, for everybody who wants to go find it in 1970. It is, it is Satan's Harvest? Harvest? Yes. Satan's well, I'm, you know me. I'm always tied into my computer like some sort of a modern spam bot. So. Oh, well, check <laughs> yes. out to see if, if Mr. King Street's War still has that title. Mr. King Street's War, 1973, with you and uh, Maggie King Street, a.k.a. Heroes Die Hard is the other title that it's available under. Oh, well, that was us. Well, thank you, Jazz. You, you do come in. You do come in handy. Well, tell us a little bit about the the Shambhala Preserve. I've gone to your website. That uh-huh. is one of the greatest websites that I've ever seen. Oh, thank that's you. So beautiful. That music that's played when you it's first so go there. Yeah. It's but beautiful. tell us a little bit about. Uh, okay. Well, as I was saying, the environmentalists were saying if we don't do something to save the animals uh, by the year 2000, they will be gone. The wild animals, you know. 
And my then husband was a producer, and we decided to do a movie about the animal issue, the wild animal issue. And we were kicking around ideas about should we choose a species to follow, should we choose one animal, what, you know. And that answer came very quickly when on the Gorongosa Game Preserve in Mozambique, we saw a house that had been abandoned by a game warden. And uh, he moved out, and a pride of lion moved in. The lions of all sizes, the little cubs, uh, uh, the rowdy teenage lions, the beautiful lioness, the big-maned lions, and they they completely took over this house. There must, must have been close to 30, 25 to 30 of them. And they were sitting in the windows, going in and out the doors. They were napping on the verandas. One was sitting in a dilapidated old porch swing. Uh, it was an awesome sight. And this house was theirs. I mean, they had taken taken over. And we thought, how perfect. We've got the perfect uh, centerpiece for a movie uh, with the lions living in the, in the house and um, uh, dealing with, with animals people uh, admire, are either afraid of them, love them, um, you know, want to coochie, which is not a good idea. Uh, And it was amazing. Wow. Yeah. So that's the way the script was written when we got back to the coast. And we were going to use Hollywood acting animals, have a nine-month shoot, over and out. However... Because of the fact that we wrote the script, the script was written uh, using sometimes 10 cats at a time, 15, whatever. Uh, the, the trainers of these Hollywood acting animals just read the script and they just started to laugh at us and said, this can't be done. And we said, and why not? But that's the way they were living. They said, because of, in- <clears throat> because of instinctual dictates, dictates to fight, I don't want my animal hurt, I don't want to get hurt. So they suggested that we acquire our own animals to do the movie, and the first one was a rescue. And that's how it all started. So that you could make the, the movie with your own animals. Yes. That is Which was, a, you know, a lot to take on. I mean, really a lot. Um, however, um, if that's what we had to do, that's what we had to do. And... Um, uh, as the time went on, it took us from not, we, uh, from the one little little lion that we rescued, uh, pretty soon we had seven of them, and so we boarded them at the, at one of the one of the uh, trainers' uh, places, and um, and then all of a sudden we heard about some older circus animals that needed a home, so they came to live with us, and then some animal park animals, and they were coming in 12 at a time, 10 at a time. And uh, the common denominator was the private citizen who had purchased this adorable, darling little lion or tiger, and, um, you know, then there isn't much cuter than a little cub. I mean, they are really cute. (laughs) And by the time they're seven or eight months old, they've destroyed your house. And because they don't have a 400-pound mom to say, knock it off, <laughs> they're taking a pretty good chunk out of you. Um, you know, because they don't have the litter mates to play with. And um, and they're tough little animals. So um, eventually we became a very important uh, facility for 
California Fish and Wildlife who would confiscate these animals because people didn't have permits or or um, licenses or the animals weren't being treated right or whatever. The United States Department of Agriculture was sending us animals, the SPCAs, the Humane Societies. Uh, and that's generally illegal, isn't it? Uh, actually, in most states, it's more difficult to get a license for your dog than have a lion or a tiger living in your backyard. Isn't that uh, awesome? It is. Holy yeah. cow. So, uh, you know, uh, later on, after our movie, our five, our nine-month shoot took five years. And <laughs> because of um, accidents, we were all hurt by these animals. Uh and uh, oh, and then the leaves would fall off the trees, you know. And you have to match everything when you're doing a movie. Uh, we had um, a horrible ten-foot wall of water come crashing down through the canyon, and destroyed us for a full year. Uh, but we were eighty percent finished with the movie, so we um, built the place back up, and um, you know finished it. But the upshot of the whole thing was that we had had become this very, very important facility, and we were gaining knowledge about these animals that was pretty awesome and amazing. Not only, you know, their behavior, but um, as these animals were getting older, we found that many of them were getting the same types of diseases and illnesses that people do. You know, like like arthritis and and kidney problems and. Oh, I can relate to that. Yeah, I mean it's it's it was it was really pretty amazing what we were doing. And it so, lasted to the to this day. Yeah, and after our movie was finished in 1981, uh, it was sold around the world, uh, excepting for the United States because the the. Um, um, the distributors wanted the lion's share, excuse me, <laughs> of the profits. Yeah. And we thought it ought to go to the beautiful animals who made the movie, so uh, we don't, didn't have a distributor here. But uh, by 1983, those funds were gone, and we thought, how are we going to keep these animals here? So I formed the Roar, which is a 501c3 tax deduction deductible um, um Organization. That's the Roar Foundation. R O A. Foundation. R O A R. Yeah, like like the lion's roar. Yeah, and um, and after oh, I had this wonderful woman who helped me get the um, foundation together. It isn't easy to do that, you know. No, I've tried that difficult. too. Yeah, and uh, she said at the end of it, I have a gift for you, and I said, Oh, good, great, love presents. And she said, No, it's a word, Shambhala a Sanskrit word that means a meeting place of peace and harmony for all beings, animal and human. I am so glad she said that because that was one of the questions that's already flooding in from the fans in the chat. Ah, they wanted great. to know what Shambhala meant. And, right. and say that again, uh, Chippy, what it means. In uh, Shambhala, it's spelled S-H-A-M-B-A-L-A dot org, O-R-G. And um, uh, that's the, the website. And the meaning is a meeting place of peace and harmony for all beings, animal and human. That is gorgeous. That yeah, is that really, is. really beautiful. Yeah, I think it is, too. And is it true that you live there on the Shambhala Preserve? I do. I do. In fact, I'm I'm looking out right off my back deck, our three 
little servals. They're little African animals that uh, would be living in, um, oh, forest areas where they could catch rodents and uh, their their jumpers so that they can catch a bird on the wing. Oh. Yeah, I tried to take a bat away from one of them once. I didn't win. <laughs> well, I just I encourage everyone to go to that amazing website. I I'm just as I mentioned before so impressed with it. You can find so many things there. You can adopt a wild one. You can Oh, and that's uh, a great program. Oh, I just thought that was a wonderful idea. And and people can stay there. They have have a tent visit. Is is yeah, that correct? We have two authentic African safari tents, and it's it's really an incredible evening, night. Oh, it's just wonderful. I love I love staying out in the tents. And and you even have a uh, a beautiful CD. Uh, I believe it's a, a CD video of um, music, Shambhala music. Yes, Isn't that correct? Yes, we do, and uh, it has um, beautiful. Video footage of of the animals is just really wonderful. It's just delightful. Well, and I hope we have our movie Roar and um, you know all, all kinds of wonderful things. The, oh. the 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 best thing about the Adopt a Wild One program is that uh, um, the first Saturday of every month you can come and um, visit your wild one, and uh, we throw the great big bones over that are you know so you know lots of meat on them. And uh, you see these magnificently beautiful animals who look so placid most of the time, all of a sudden you see a whole different side of them when they've got food. That would be so really. exciting. It yeah, is, really. it, at times it's almost blood-curdling. Wow. And the the um, URL for that website, again, I hope, let's see, Jazz or Nick, if you'll put it in the chat room, it's uh, www. Shambhala, S-H-A-M-B-A-L-A dot org. Yep, uh, we've already put it in there, and there's uh, people already going there and asking some questions. Great. Oh, uh, to be another another thing, um, over the course of this whole run, uh, how has this lived up to your expectations in terms of both the funding uh, that you've been able to find, the number of animals rescued, um, as far as your initial goals? How has it worked out for you? Uh, well, uh, at this particular moment, we're having a you know an enormous problem with funding, um, you know because of, of the, because of the economy. It's 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 um, it really becomes quite frightening. We have to raise a million dollars a year, wow. and the animals are uh, uh, there's so many out there who still need a home that um, and we are sanctuary, which means no no um, no buying, no selling, no breeding, no commercial use outside the city limits, adequate veterinary care. Not all of the veterinarians know how to take care of these animals. And at the website Betty Jo mentioned, is there a place where our listeners could uh, contribute to this good cause? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and uh, you, you just have to um, uh, go over to um, – uh, uh, there's a whole list uh, on the side you know, a bar that you can go to to contribute. And you can con contribute by, by um, um, credit card um, or, you know, just a direct to the, to the preserve. Well, it's and, a and for all of Eddie Joe's fans, there are also a ton of gorgeous pictures of oh, the yeah. cats. 
It's just oh. fantastic. Oh, yes. It's it's a beautiful site. It should win some kind of award of its own. And it, what a worthwhile project. And But, Tippy, I, all of your fans are going to be very disappointed and all the movie addicts that are listening in if we don't turn now <laughs> to my favorite subject. Okay, Move. let me let me just tell you one more thing that I've, oh, been, sure. I've been doing. Uh, I, we're not just giving these animals a wonderful home for the rest of their lives, but I'm trying to stop this insanity of these animals being born in the United States specifically to be sold for personal possession as pets and oh. um uh, you know, for shows, for commercial use, all of that. And uh, um, I was successful in getting a getting a bill passed in 2003, titled the Captive Wildlife Safety Act, which stops the interstate traffic of these animals. Good for uh, you. Oh yes, that um, I'm just so happy to hear that that somebody is is taking that. Bill, the bill that I'm working on now is uh, a federal ban on the breeding of the exotic feline for personal possession, which will stop this in 20 years. You know, the lifespan of these animals is 20 years. In I need to get years. together with Tippy because I publish about politics all the time and work with a number of politicians. Well, we really should you call get me this. later? Well, can we talk? Absolutely. I would yeah, love to. Yeah, that would to. be wonderful. Yeah, and you're in Colorado. Oh, Ed Perlmutter uh, in Denver, in the Denver area, Congressman Perlmutter. Yes, that would Actually, be Betty Jo is out there. I'm in New York. So. Oh, you're in New York. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, he's going to be introducing the bill. Great, great. Good yeah. guy. Good yeah. guy. He's a yeah, good guy. Great. Yeah, well, uh, you know, in my mind, Tippy, I don't know how I how I tied these two together, but I I thought because you, you were involved in um, The Birds, which, by the way, is one of the best horror films ever made, no, and no, I no, thought maybe they... Maybe that had something to do with you being with you being uh, so interested in animal rights. But you know, the story of how you how you got involved is just fascinating. And uh, turning to the birds, though, what was it like working with Alfred Hitchcock? Well, he was he was amazing. He was not only my my uh, director; he was my drama coach. Really? So, yes. And the birds was my first film. Holy so, cow! So I was I was really fortunate. In, uh, on so many levels that that um, to to have him as a director, and um, uh, and and my acting coach, I mean that was just phenomenal. And and he often said that he was he was thrilled that this was my first movie because I had nothing to unlearn. <laughs> so I just tried to be putty in his hands, you know, and and. Uh, uh, I used the techniques that he he taught me uh, all the time. All the time. Well, how did you happen to get that role, Tippy? Uh, I had done. I was. Uh, uh, I was working in New York as a fashion model uh, with Eileen Ford, and um, you know, it, uh, in the fifties, the commercials became very, very important, and um, so I was doing a lot of them. And uh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Hitchcock were watching the Today Show. And they saw this commercial that I had done, and it was a story type of thing. It was for a, 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 a pet milk product called Seago. It was a diet drink. Right. I think I, I, weighed all, I think I weighed all of 100 pounds when I did this <laughs> commercial. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he saw it and decided to find out who the girl was, where she was. And um, 
so um, I just received a surprise phone call one day asking me to come over to meet with a with a um, uh, an executive at Universal Studios. I had by then moved out to California so that Melanie could oh could have a little bit of independence of just saying I'm going out to play, mommy. You know, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tippy, you got to work with Alfred Hitchcock a couple of times. Uh, what was your favorite project uh, with him? And and oh, I like I like Marty. I, I like ah. the best. Really? Yes. Why yes, was that? Was a, well, the, you know, The Birds was sort of a chase type film, and uh, the the uh, Marnie was such a deep character. My God, she yes, was absolutely. And that was that was the the interest. Well, working with Sean Connery had to have something to do with that, Tippy. Not all bad. <laughs> no, he was and he was just wonderful. We see each other every now and then, um, uh, not often, because he, um, you know, lives. Um, he doesn't live in the United States. Uh, but um, he was really, he was really terrific. And Rod Taylor was terrific. And of course, working with Jessica Tandy was just marvelous. And, and Jessica Tandy so was was in in the birds. Yes. Well, did you ever get hurt or oh, have yeah. any problems with the, with the real birds in, oh, yes. in the birds? Yes, I did. Oh no. Seen, oh, you know, off and on during the during the shooting, we would we were hurt, you know, scratched or whatever. But uh, you know, the scene where at the end of the movie where I go up the stairs yeah. and into the into the bedroom upstairs, and all of the birds attack me. Yeah. Well, they told me that I, they were going to, because uh, you know, when I read the script, I said, and Mr. Hitchcock, how would we be doing that scene? And he said, oh, well, we'll use the mechanical birds like we did with the children. And um, so I was perfectly comfortable all about the whole thing, and it was one of the last scenes we did during the shoot. And um, uh, at, the, at the, the first day, it was a Monday, I was in my dressing room on the set, and uh, the assistant director, Jim Brown, came in, and he said, he, he couldn't look at me. He looked at the floor and the walls and the ceiling. And said, <laughs> with you, Jim. And he said, uh, the mechanical birds don't work. We have to use real ones. And out the door he went. Well, oh, I just, I just was stunned. I went out to the set, and, you know, this isn't anything they had just planned on. There was a whole cage built around the door that I come in. And there were five boxes, cartons, of raven and seagulls and a few pigeons thrown in, uh, prop men with gauntlets up to their shoulders, and which they threw at me for five days. What I don't blame you in any way whatsoever, but I, but I do have to say I still have nightmares about that because I was a fairly young child when that movie came out. And, uh-huh. oh, my God, that was frightening. It was frightening. It, it was supposed to be. We worked hard to make it that way. Well, you were successful, and do you know what? It was not just frightening while the movie was on. I mean, it, because it sort of uh, led to a kind of unending terror with people. My son, who is now grown and has grown children of his own, is still frightened to death of birds. <laughs> Excuse me for laughing, but, you know... <laughs> it, <laughs> Isn't that great? It is great. I, I hope he gets over it pretty soon. You know, <laughs> I don't think he will. I think he's kind of proud of it now. <laughs> oh, there's uh, there's a funny little story here. Uh, you know, we 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 serve um, uh, about 600 pounds of meat every day to the to the big cats, 
and we have this huge flock of raven who live here because they're meat eaters, and they are in seventh heaven living here. <laughs> do you ever think back to the movie and just run away like, oh no? <laughs> oh, I do it all the time. Yeah. Oh no, here they come! They're coming. <laughs> well, Tippy, what was uh, the the whole idea in the birds? Is I know you had the, uh, those gorgeous green suits. On the... I had six of them. Yes, you had six. Green yeah. Suits. What six. was the What was the uh, the point of that? Do you know? The point of the birds attack. Oh, the green. Yeah, the green. Suit. Oh, the green. Oh, the green was because uh, um, that particular shade of green is very easy to look at. Ah. And um, uh, uh, Hitch and the, the beautiful, wonderful Edith Head were always very, very concerned about any kind of, of fashion or uh, what does the movie require. And when you're in the same thing, the same outfit throughout the movie, I think I had one other, I had another suit with the, at the beginning of the film and the coat. But that, that, those were the three, those were my three things. And the, the night, the nighty from, uh, you know, the, general store uh, <laughs> but it was very important that the the uh, color was acceptable to people that they and and wasn't the kind of thing where oh if i see that that dress one more time i'm going to scream um and the, the uh, edith had called the color odoniel green Ooh. and um uh color was one of the most important things uh, uh for his lead, leading ladies to um, uh, sort of enhance the performance, even. The best way I can explain that one was in uh, Dial M for Murder with uh, Grace Kelly. Yes. You know, in the first scene, she's in a red cocktail dress, and she's very, you know, very elegant and, and provocative. And and um, after the murder, uh, she her clothes become very much more drab. Right. And at the end of the film, she's where they, you know, they take her away. She's in gray. Yes, those kinds of things are very important psychologically to the viewer. Sets the tone. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And Alfred Hitchcock was a was a master at that. Yeah. And is there any truth to the rumor that uh, they did tie birds to you? In oh the... yes. Oh, oh my yes, God. they did. Uh, Rita Riggs, who was my dresser put bands around my body with uh, elastics uh, coming through the, the tears in the dress. And they then just loosely tied the, the leg of the of the raven to my body. Oh, my gosh. Tippi, you work with so many famous people, uh, for example, Charlie Chaplin. Yes. And it, we, we talk, uh, Betty Joe and I talk to people all the time who are kind of involved in the industry or would like to be or like to understand it more. Could you just favor and just kind of contrast a little bit, like what's the difference between working with Alfred Hitchcock and working with Charlie Chaplin? What, okay. are, what are the stylistic differences that you uh, into? Well, there there were many. Uh, uh, Alfred Hitchcock was so sure of what he wanted out of every scene um, that he was he was so well prepared that we did hardly more than two or three takes on on any scene. It was really pretty amazing. And he was so d definitive as to what 
what um, what the whole the the whole picture should look like. Everything was was um, totally operated by him, and he always had people around him who worked picture after picture after picture with him. Uh, the way he directed with me, I don't know exactly what he did with the others, but he, uh, uh, I read the script over and over and over, and uh, we would talk about uh, about the the film as a whole. We would talk about the different characters, uh, the relationship of each character to the other, and uh, to the point where by the time we got on the set, we all knew what we were doing. And uh, um, it was it was it was actually done very very easily. He gave very little direction, uh, actually on the set, um, and he really spoiled me terribly because he he uh, first of all he worked nine to five. Hmm. Have you ever heard of that in a movie? No. Not today. Oh, no. No. And um, um, interestingly enough, he always wore a black suit, a white shirt and a, um, a black tie. His uh, assistant director wore a sport jacket and slacks and pants. <laughs> uh, his uh, DP and the assistant cameraman all were dressed every day. Uniforms. <laughs> yeah, well, but they it was a very elegant, um, uh, Hitch thought of it as being a very, very elegant uh, profession. Yes. And, and it was. And Charlie, on the other hand, Charlie, the way Charlie directed, now that's where the film should have been done. I, you know, so many people have said we they should have shot uh, uh, Charlie doing directing because he would take each person in the scene, each actor's character, and perform it, and then say, "All right, now you do it." Now, can you imagine following Charlie Chaplin? Oh my gosh, that but, is so interesting. Hands on, huh? you, you know, Marlon Brando did not appreciate that. I'll bet he didn't. Oh, no, he didn't. And that was in The Countess from Hong Kong. Yes. And, and that was Chaplin's last movie, I think. Yes, it was. Yes. And he was still doing his stick there, just uh, performing each one of the characters and then hoping that, that uh, each one of his actors could do it just like him. <laughs> yeah, of course it was impossible. <laughs> Sophia Loren was fabulous. She and Melanie became great pals, and, uh, you know, it was really... Well, yeah. speaking of Melanie, uh, how much did you influence your daughter, uh, who, if our, any of our listeners don't know, it's Melanie Griffith, a very, very talented actress. Oh, yes, I'm sure no one's heard of her either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, nor her husband, her acting husband. Oh, her. Now, who could that be? Who could that be? Some could unknown be, person. Be, yeah. still my, be still my heart, Antonio Banderas. Yeah, right? I named I named uh, um, uh, I, I adopted a whole litter of kitten, kittens one year, which I I I I just implore everybody to do that. The whole litter, it's, too, it's so much fun. You you'll never <laughs> ever forget it. It's just wonderful. Oh, anyway, I have I four cats in my after, house right now. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I named all of them after movie stars I had worked with. I had I have, uh, uh, I have uh, Rod Taylor, um, uh, Sean Connery. Um, uh, Marlon Brando, John Saxon, um, who else I've got? Yeah. This this might sound horribly trite, but Betty Joe gets uh, requests all the time from 
uh, people who want to get into the industry. If, if I could ask you just one kind of stock question. Uh, with all of your experience, do you have any advice for young wannabe actresses, people who want to get into the business today? Yeah, it's it's so it's so difficult right now uh, that um, I first of all I would suggest that you're independently wealthy. <laughs> that's uh, a good well, that's always a big help. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, uh, uh, along with your acting career and the studying that you do that you're doing, uh, uh, also find another vocation that you can fall back on because it is oh, so oh dear. difficult. Yeah, that's, that's very good advice. Very well, good. I know Nikki I, has some questions from the chat too. Yes, I was here, going so to hopefully check. Hopefully, squeeze those in. Let's do that, Nikki. Uh, I I wonder if you have some questions or comments from chatters that you'd like to share with Tippy. Oh, they've been busy today. All right. Good. <laughs> well, the chat the chat is just loving it, and Sousta um, oh. had a question. She's in our chat room, and she was it was going back to the big. Um, the Tigers and Shambhala, uh-huh. and she wanted to know if if there was, let's see if you can help me with this, Jazz. I have it in here, but she wants to know if any of that has to do with drug trading. Oh, like yes. If they're trying, if you guys have oh, found out a, that. That's, uh, that's the first time anybody has ever asked me that. I do talk about that at our safaris when I, when I um, you know, when we have our, we're open one weekend a month. But there we have two different animals who came from drug uh, drug lords. Oh. who uh, keep them on their property because the authorities are hesitant in um, uh, going into the facility if, they're, uh, if they know there's a lion or a tiger walking around. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is, this is very, very frequent that this happens. So it does tie into that whole illegal oh, yes. activity that goes yes. in with illicit activities and the illegal yes. trade of animals. Yes, oh. in fact. How I Oh, I'm trying to get unmuted. How I love that interview with Tippy Hedren, folks, and I'm sorry about the technical problems, but I wanted to stop the tape in time to bring everyone up to date on Tippy's activities since she appeared on our show in January of 2009. She's been a very busy lady, indeed. According to the Internet Movie Database, Tippy has signed on for six upcoming films, including a horror flick, with none other than Linda Blair from The Exorcist. She's also scheduled to appear in another new horror film with Burt Reynolds. And that's good news for movie fans, because we will now get to see more of Tippi Hedren on the big screen. Tippi is still living at Chambala and supporting the Roar Foundation, as well as many other worthy projects. Her other activities include appearing in the L.A. production of The Vagina Monologues in February of this year, plus attending the January premiere of a documentary called Elephant and Man, A Litany of Tragedy, which is about elephants in captivity. And just a couple of weeks ago, she participated in the Turner Classic Film Festival in Hollywood. Believe it or not, Tippy is now 81 years young, and she's still going strong. She continues to make personal appearances where she chats with fans and signs autograph photos, and it's no surprise that she draws huge numbers wherever she makes these appearances. So, Tippy, if you are listening, more power to you. Your fans at Movie Addict Headquarters are very impressed 
and admire all of your accomplishments as an actress and activist. Well, it's time to wrap things up now. So here's a big shout-out to Tippy Hedren for being such a wonderful guest and to the folks at Blog Talk Radio and at WRSP936.com for their support. Special thanks to Jazz, Nikki, Vicki, and to our chatters, as well as all our other listeners. To Nikki Starr, who's still recuperating, we send extra special good vibes for a speedy recovery. We really miss you, so get well soon. Please come back next time, dear listeners, when our special guest will be actor Tyrone Power Jr., son of the late film icon Tyrone Power, who was one of my screen idols while growing up. Ty was such a big hit on our tribute to Joan Benedict Steiger show that listeners requested that we bring him back for an entire episode of his own. We're very happy he's agreed to return next week. It should be a great show. In the meantime, don't forget to check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, realtalkreviews.com. That's all for now, folks. So Kenny Loggins will take us out with one of our favorite numbers. Get ready, everybody. Here comes Footloose.